welcome to the Abstract Veterans Podcast. Today, Char Gatlin and Kevin Sickinger speak with Lisa Brenner. For more information, please visit limbic-cenc.org. Visit the Abstract Athlete for more information and news. The Abstract Veterans Podcast with Char Gatlin and Kevin Sickinger. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Uh, I'm Dr. Char Gatlin with my co-host, Lieutenant Colonel, Colonel, excuse me, retired Kevin Sickinger on another uh, uh, podcast of the Abstract Veteran Series. I'm coming to you from Montana where it's uh, negative five right now. What is the temperature your way, Kevin, if I may ask? Uh, I believe it's about 65. Now, ladies and gentlemen, tell me what's not fair about that. I mean, just tell me right now what's not fair about that. But I'm not complaining. So as many of you know, we uh, we do these podcasts at the behest of Limbic Sensei, where we, we talk to a lot of researchers and a lot of folks out there. Uh, last year, as many of you know as well, we did focus more on sort of the research-specific podcast. This year, we wanted to bring in folks and talk, you know, more about how the research and where it translates, where it goes, you know, to, to caregivers, to communities, to, you know, different types of outputs and outcomes, and where we try to make the science simple and, and have some fun. So I always put out there, too, we're back. The Government Steering Committee has once again allowed us to continue, which is always a good thing in our world. And our best to everyone for tuning in again. So today we have a special guest with us, a Dr. Lisa Brenner, who is affiliated with the University of Colorado School of Medicine, specifically the uh, PM and R department. Dr. Brenner, good morning and welcome. Or Lisa, I apologize. Good morning. Lisa's great. Hi, I'm in Denver and it's nine. Nine yeah. here. <laughs> okay. So we're, we're, well, you and I are in the same ballpark. Kevin's yes. living out there in a whole different reality. You know, it's uh he may be on to something. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Hey Kevin, you were getting the roof from the cabin the other day. You still got an extra room in there that I could come <laughs> I could come we do. we do. I need I need a sublet anyway to help <laughs> I do dishes and I do a lot of yard work too. So maybe we can we can work something out. So uh all kidding aside, welcome Lisa. It's nice to have you on our show. Um and as I, I gave you a brief introduction, but in reading over your bio, I'm going to let you do this because I don't know how you have any free time. I really, really, really and truly don't. So tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and uh, yeah, how you make the world better. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity. It's so great to be here with you all this morning. Um, I have several hats, like many folks who have the pleasure of working in the VA and with our university affiliate. So I'm the director of something called the Rocky Mountain Mental Illness Research Education and Clinical Center. Uh, the VA has 10 uh, clinical centers like this that are focused on specific topics. Ours is focused on suicide and suicide prevention. So, um, you know, I've been working in the VA for about over 20 years. I think I'm, I'm, I stopped counting because it's it's a lot. But it's the it's the best job in the world, and I have to say, for those out there who um, are thinking about kind of career and career pathways, especially psychologists or, or providers or researchers out there, uh, VA is a number one place because there's tons of opportunities, and there's nothing better than working with vets and uh, working with vets and being with vets is kind of a long term thing for me. My dad is a veteran, and he gets care at the VA where I work, which um, is a huge amount of pride for me and. I just love to see the care he gets and to be involved. So that's my VA hat. Um, and then I'm at the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus. And there I um, 
Like many folks at the VA, I also uh, work at the University of Colorado, our, our academic affiliate. I'm in the Department of Physical Medicine there and Rehabilitation, and also in Psychiatry and Neurology. And I think probably those departments really highlight how I look at the work that I do, which is focused on uh, mental health and physical health and trying to break down barriers in terms of how we think about the human experience and the human body as being one and understand how these conditions like uh, TBI and post-traumatic stress disorder actually probably share common mechanisms, share, we know share common symptoms, and we could do better at having treatments that address both. Well, that leads me to the um, $64,000 question, I guess. You talked about you love working at the VA and you love working with vets. And we know kind of what you do, the work with the vets. What led you to that? What, what what was the genesis behind? Gee, I want to go work at the VA, and I want to do this type of this type of work. Well, I think it's been an evolution, and so I the VA is actually one of the largest trainers of healthcare providers in the country. And I won't tell the year that I came to the VA, but it was before the conflicts in Iraq and Afghanistan. And initially, when I came to the VA, I was looking for an opportunity to work with folks who may not have access to everything, may not have had access to all opportunities in life, and wanted to make sure that those folks got the best care in, in, that got the best care. And so I was really drawn to the VA as a place that served, at that time, folks who maybe didn't have opportunities to get care in the community. Um, as you guys know, as, as, as well as I do, things have evolved incredibly over time since the mid-1990s in terms of not only who seeks care at the VA, but the kind of care that folks receive and the kind of um, focus that that we really focus on in the VA. So I would say um, early in my career, um, I had the pleasure of directing a traumatic brain injury team. Uh, This was before traumatic brain injury was getting a lot of airtime. To be honest, it was before the conflicts in Afghanistan and Iraq. It was before um, there was maybe lots and lots of attention to injuries being sustained in sports and um, was working with folks who I saw having kind of this incredible overlap of challenges related to their brain injuries, but also mental health problems and trying to help them uh, get care and get integrated back in their lives. So in the midst of directing this interdisciplinary clinical team, um, we started to see uh, young men and women come back from Iraq and Afghanistan with a really different, um, I guess, array of symptoms. It just looked really different. And, you know, now we understand that they had more acute, mild TBIs, many of them, and more acute PTSD. And we were seeing these overlapping symptoms that just looked um, unique. And so that really sparked my interest. Uh, It was something different and important to understand. And so from that point, I started to get more and more involved in the research uh, side of the house. And this goes back to why I think the VA is so great. I really spent the first 10 years of my career being a clinician, which is continues to be a really important uh, thing to me and to be see, see patients and work with patients. I think any clinical researcher needs to keep their hand in that to, to stay honest and true to the work that they're doing. But in VA, I had the really opportunity to shift to be more of a researcher uh, than a clinician. And I spend most of my time now doing research and I've continued to research this overlap between mental and physical health, specifically focused on traumatic brain injury and mental health, and really trying to break down barriers in our understanding of how these conditions overlap and how they're more common than different. 
And wow, you know that was that was a mouthful for sure. Well, let me. Sorry, sorry if that was no, too much. No, 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 no. I, 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 I like it actually. I'm sitting here <laughs> jotting down notes, and I'm having to go scratch this out and go to the next one. And but it's, it's good for me. You know, you mentioned sort of the 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 evolution of, of the VA and maybe the, the diversity of, of patients that they serve and, and those seeking care. Uh, you also mentioned, you know, research. And one of the most important things that, that I heard you sort of hit upon was sort of the evolution of the interdisciplinary approach, not not in the traditional sense, but also looking at the mind, body and spirit. Because if you do not bring those three and I can tell you firsthand, they, they have there's a balance. Not everybody's is the same for sure. Everyone's a little bit unique. But you, they have to form a 360, whatever way, a full circle, if you will, or whatever way you want to do it. So, with, with that in mind, you know, in your in your time in the VA, and 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 it can be on the on the clinician side of the house, it could be on the research side of the house, as you just mentioned. But, I mean, what is I don't want to say your opinion per se, but sort of your perception uh, of maybe some of the advancements that we've seen in this sort of holistic, and I, and I hesitate to use that term, but holistic based sort of inter interdisciplinary approach to to care, if you will. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's uh, not just a VA thing. I think it's a healthcare thing in the United States. Like, how do we see people more as whole human beings? And um, I think it's not just about kind of healthcare. It's about how do we think about humans, right? How do we think about ourselves and, and others? And how do we um, really embrace all parts of humans? Uh, and so this... I think like on a very concrete level, how I've seen it in terms of my career is at the beginning um, of the conflicts in Iraq and Afghanistan, there was, um, and this is not only VA. I mean, and a lot of this has to do with uh, really um, stuff that seems very um, far away from the care, but actually drives some of what we do. So in the private sector, a lot is driven by codes and billing codes. And we don't have very good billing codes. This is not so much an issue in the VA, but our billing codes really are kind of bifurcated into mental health codes and physical health codes. And policies often are bifurcated into, you know, physical health policy and mental health policy. And so I think for a long time, this has driven our thinking, um, a little bit of the tail wagging the dog about how do we care for folks? And, you know, I think we all know that benefits, uh, whether it's physical health care benefits or mental health care benefits in the private sector, were also um, separated out. So people could have um, and things have improved over time, but people may have had a lot of benefits related to their physical health that they didn't have um, parity in terms of mental health benefits. And so all these things have been happening in the background um, that I think have changed our thinking. So back to the VA in Iraq and Afghanistan and these external pressures, I think people spent a lot of time at the beginning trying to figure out if people had traumatic brain injury or PTSD, right? And I don't want to tell you how much of my career I spent trying to think, figure out ways to identify, are these symptoms related to TBI or PTSD? And um, I'm not the only one. All of us spent a lot of time. And then at some point I was like, this is cuckoo. We need to stop. These are whole human beings and these symptoms are overlapping and these conditions um, have huge uh, overlap. And we need to think about them as things that occur over a person's lifetime and exacerbate each other and start thinking about whole humans over the course of their lifetime. And so a lot of my research has been focused on trying to do just that. Instead of parsing, trying to think about holistically, how can we understand the problems that people are having, the challenges that people are having, and then come up with interventions that address the whole humans, not just like 
can this addresses their PTSD symptoms and this addresses their TBI symptoms, but how do we address all the symptoms? That's that, that was very illuminating. One one question I've got for you, and you mentioned that you were kind of doing TBI before, um, I guess, post 9-11 conflicts. So if we equate that to, I'm not sure when the last time you rode on a roller coaster, it's been quite a while for me, but that, that was kind of the roller coaster, the slow, um, very slow up to the tippy top. Uh, the the building of the excitement and the anticipation. Uh, so that'd be the pre 9-11. And you've been doing it ever since. Where are we on this roller coaster ride? When are we going to pull into the station and have most of the answers? Where how far away are we? Well, I think you know, science is a long process. And I think this is really hard for all of us, right? So we we see this not just with TBI, not with just PTSD, but with cancer, with um other health conditions that people are living with conditions right now. We want to help them right now. And we're still trying to figure out the complicated nature of the science. Um, both TBI and PTSD occur in the most complicated organ, right? In the brain and our understanding of the brain, um, we're evolving, but we're still kind of dumb about the brain. And that makes it hard to, you know, pull into the station now, I think we are understanding things that we didn't used to and appreciating this idea of holistic um, approaches. Um, but I, I don't I don't want to pretend like I think this is going to be completed in my lifetime. Right. Trying to un, uh, trying to figure out mental health, physical health and the interactions and, and interventions that fit in terms of individuals. So precision medicine. There's going to be uh, researchers after me, clinicians after me that are doing this. That being said, we are doing some kind of innovative things that we think are exciting that um, may change, be game changers. So I can give you an example of one. Um, so uh, should I keep talking? Am I, am I talking too much? No, no, right. no, go for it. Yeah. This is, uh, all right. You can tell me if I'm yammering too much. Um, no, we had a, an MP used a really good word right there, illuminating. I haven't heard one from an MP in a long time. So so, so you can see the wheels are turning there. So keep, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, so, okay. So some of this also just um, from a research perspective is taking risks and being able to be in a place in your research career where you can take risks. So I, um, I started getting a little bit like frustrated, I would say about, I don't know, five, seven years ago with our interventions. And I thought we need to think more mechanistically about this and we need to think more about inflammation. And um, I also, um, for a number of reasons, have had a long-term interest in uh, the gut-brain axis and and been interested in our challenges in developing new interventions, new pharmacologic interventions, and started thinking a lot about, well, could we use the gut as a pathway to the brain? And how could we change what's happening in the gut to impact mental health and physical health? And so people are like, you're totally nuts, Lisa. This is like distraction. This is, what are you doing? This is not going to be good for your research career. But I was like, well, hey, you know. So I got an initial grant looking at a probiotic, a very specific probiotic for PTSD and mild TBI. Um, and we were able to show with this probiotic, um, that we were able to uh, decrease inflammation and decrease reactivity. So physiologic reactivity and responsivity 
in stressful situations in veterans with PTSD and TBI. And then people are like, well, maybe this isn't so crazy, Lisa. So now we have an R01, so an NIH R01 to look at a different probiotic in PTSD with some of the same things. So, you know, part of this is also how do we help researchers have the space to think outside the box and then be funded outside the box to do things that may really change our thinking about these conditions that could help us kind of pull in to the end of the ride a little bit sooner, at least for some people. No, that's very interesting. I, and not to, to make light, but I don't think I've ever seen a soldier with a, with a, with a gastrointestinal issues that was a very happy soldier to say, well, to say the least yes. in my day. I mean, that's just common sense 101. Take, take it or leave it. Um, and I've seen, and congratulations <laughs> on the, on your R1. Um, you know, I've seen, not to go way off uh, to the side, but I've seen where some of that research is, is coming around where they're starting to look at look at things like that, you know, the serotonin balances and so forth. And I, I that can only take things in a positive direction because it it has to do with the interdisciplinary, you know, whole mind, whole body approach. But you made a comment a while ago, and it kind of reminded me of some stuff that I saw. You, meant, you mentioned billing codes, and I know I'm not going to go back to the to the financial com- component of it, but but it's going to trigger this this line of inquiry real quick or this question. When you have things like that, you usually have a lot of different sources of care or competing systems of care. You have competing standards of care. You have overlap of symptoms, which is kind of a kind of a given when you look at a lot of the psychological health issues to include TBI and then you know depression, anxiety, um, uh, suicide ideation. I mean, you, you name it. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of overlap there, unfortunately, and that can lead to frustration. It can really lead to frustration for the the patient, you know, and now let's toss in the fact that this individual, uh, you know, could live up here in the great state of Montana, you know, or we're, we're mostly a rural state. We only have nine urban counties. You're four hours, and I'm, and I'm not knocking Montana, I'm just using an example, but you may be four hours from a point of care. Um, you know, uh, TBI or psychological health could be a secondary injury behind, shall we say, more primary injury at, at the time. Uh, family concerns, uh, substance concerns, I mean, you name it, it just it, eight months of winter. I mean, it just it piles on. So you can see sort of the, the levels of frustration in the in the research that you've done. And maybe you don't have to go go too deep on it, but sort of and you, and you kind of hit on it a little bit um, in, in speaking. But how do you how in your mind would you you address those multiple layers of, of frustration? You know, what would you you know, tell maybe like a caregiver or, or a patient, you know, that maybe does not understand. The next thing you know, you've got different prescribers prescribing different kind of medications. I mean, you, you, everything that I'm saying, you've had to had to assume. But I mean, how would you kind of how, how do I phrase this in the correct way? But, um, you know, what are some successes, I guess, you've seen in addressing things of, of that nature, challenges of that nature for not only the family, but the or excuse me, the patient, but the, the caregiver and by extension, the, the community? Yeah, I think there's several different important ways to go with this. And I'm, I'm just going to hit on two. Um, one is um, how, how do we provide care where people are? And uh, I think the VA, I mean, COVID has uh, contributed to a lot of heartache and hardness, but it also contributed to us understanding that a lot of what we do can be done by telehealth, by video, and that we can provide care um, to folks who are living further away, maybe from a healthcare center, um, in a way that is evidence-based, consistent, fits in their schedule, means that they don't have to drive long distance. And I mean, a really good news story is that the VA is really way out ahead on this and has been able to deliver healthcare via um, VTEL, via telephone, via video, in a way that I think is unprecedented and is actually changing how we do 
health care and in particular mental health care in America. Um, the other thing I just want to highlight that I think is so, so important, and one of the reasons actually I think the VA is great, is the integrated care, right? So if if we think care needs to be integrated and we and we are going to need different professionals in this, we want those care professionals to be communicating, be able to see each other's medical records, be coordinating and be talking. And I think the VA does a great job at that. I guess a couple other things um, in, in this line in terms of providing more traditional treatment. You know, I'm a psychologist, but I, I know it turns out not everybody likes um, psychotherapy. Not everybody wants to talk to a therapist. <laughs> No, they oh, don't. Okay. <laughs> I, okay. Like, that's cool. Um, so then what do we do? So I guess two things. One is providing alternate interventions that are low cost, safe, um, effective, like potentially probiotics, right? We're not there yet, but how do we find other interventions? And then other another thing our team has been really working on is developing two specific interventions. And VA has a lot of other resources, too evidence-based treatments that people can do independently in their own time when they want to address symptoms related to things like depression and suicide prevention and insomnia. These exist already, and I'm happy to send you the links. We're developing two, one for depression and one for suicide prevention. One's for um, problem-solving therapy and insomnia already exist, and people can access them anytime and work through them at their own pace in their own private homes. And these are evidence-based interventions. So how do we help people get access to stuff that's there that will work, whether you have a TBI or not? We know that these interventions work. So then flipping to the other side, uh, we've been working also uh, very uh, consistently with veterans who are helping veterans. Uh, we have a program called Together with Veterans that is really helping communities and communities in Montana. I'm going to be coming to Montana soon. We have a community um, and had a past community in Montana that has been participating in this program where we are um, teaching veterans and helping them figure out what is going to work best for their community in terms of suicide prevention and uh, giving them some skills, giving them some ideas of best practices, helping them come up with an action plan specific to their community to help prevent suicide. Now, um, when I started working on this project, we were like, this is great. We're going to have these veterans. They're outreaching other veterans. They're going to help these veterans and family members and communities. And then that knowledge is going to spread and it's going to help the larger community. What I also realized, and I should have realized this before, is of course, the veterans who are involved in Together with Veterans, it's also their therapy. Veterans helping other veterans is like part of the most amazing thing, right? And they really are enhancing their lives, their decreased isolation, their functioning, their sense of purpose, their reason for living by helping their own battle buddies. So how do we think traditional healthcare and then how do we think about innovative ways to help people help each other? No, innovation is uh, is a way to go. I've seen, you know, seen and read up on some of that material, but I, you know, I really like your, I really appreciate rather your comment on the sort of reluctance for psychotherapy. You know, and some <laughs> folks don't maybe meet that that mold and that standard of care where they can use that that app or that that uh, technological advice to you know help problem solve or this. And and, and, and to say technology, uh, my alumni at the University of Montana is actually putting a telehealth facility in there to to help access the veteran population to work with you know Indian Health Services to work with um, you know state health systems to work with universities. You know, obviously the federal entity which is the VA. 
Um, and before I hand this off to Kevin for his question, when are, what, what part of Mount Hint are you going to, if I may ask? I, I have to look because I, I don't know. I'm sorry. Can you not put this part in? I can look. No, that's fine. I'm I, over don't, here I, don't know, I don't know where I'm traveling. I don't know where I'm traveling until I'm like, it shows up on my calendar, but I know I'm going to Montana. Well, you, you'll have, you, you'll, it, it, we'll talk about this later, but you'll have my email. Shoot me an email if you ever out this way. To, I would love this to. Side of, this side of the state. I don't know, I don't know, know where I'm going to be, but I would love to. It's a big state. That's for serious. Ron found that a lot. I know. <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. No No problem. All right, Kevin. All right. So this is a combination of a bunch of things that were just mentioned. So, for instance, the uh, lack of desire for psychotherapy. I mean, we've seen it on all of the shows, uh, TV shows, movies. You know, every time there's you know a police incident, then they want the policeman to to do the psychotherapy or you know, the the stigma related to uh, PTSD or TBI. Uh, fortunately, in the military, we've had some leaders step forward and, and state that they're seeing you know psychotherapists. So you know, it's okay for all everybody below. You know, the good thing is it's okay for everybody below me to to go do it. Of course, that's a, that's a thought process. But what does he have to lose? He's already a two or three or four star, and he's he's already got his golden parachute lined up. So you know, it's really brave of him to step forward at this point in his career. But uh, the the one question I was going to ask, I mean, we all know that nothing's an issue until Hollywood makes it an issue. Um, so have you ever watched uh, the TV show SEAL Team? No, but I want to because this is OK. Like, right. did, did you know that this is one of my uh, my I a love TV and B, I am huge on uh, military movies and shows. So mm -hmm. send it okay. my way. Yeah, I kind of uh, stayed away from it for the longest time. I think it's about eight, nine seasons out now. And thinking it's going to be corny. It's actually a really good, really well done show. However, leading up to the last episode of this last season, uh, the leader, Bravo One, it's a, uh, I can't remember what the Navy calls him, Petty Officer, Chief Petty Officer. So he's the leader of the team and he's got breacher syndrome. And it's really mm -hmm. his mm -hmm. ability to do the mission. And actually, they gave him this big medal. And at the medal ceremony, he stated he didn't deserve it. He was, he's been hiding his issues and mm -hmm. walked off the stage, left the medal behind. And then it was a really good scene. And it's, what's really neat is that it's not, a, it's not really a, a sexy, for lack of a better term, ailment. I mean, at first, it's unseen. Mm -hmm. It's hard to diagnose. It's hard to prove. It's hard, yeah. And there's not a not a whole lot to do with it yet. I mean, we're heading in that direction. But I, I admire Hollywood for taking it on. Um, how how do how how do people in your field overcome? I mean, the the lack of people wanting your type of service. Mm -hmm. Well, I think one thing is like what you all are doing. So I really appreciate this. Um, also, just that maybe people can see that psychologists or mental health folks are just normal human beings who also really struggle. It's it's really important. I mean, very few people uh, get into mental health because their life has gone awesome, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, I think just being really honest uh, with people listening to your podcast, uh, the patients that I work with, um, that that we're all trying to 
have a better life, be better humans, psychologists, non-psychologists, social workers. I mean, all of us together and just to normalize this whole thing. Um, so that's one huge thing. Um, also, uh, I think younger generations are doing better than us. You know, I've got two kids that are in college and their views about mental health and mental health treatment are very, very different uh, than kind of what I grew up with. And I, I think that's awesome. And so how do we lean into um, our kids, the younger generations to help teach us that this mind-body connection is, is um, real and that we need to treat whole human beings? Um, so I'm hopeful about kind of, you know, how the arc of justice is, is long but we're, we're going in the right direction. I think we are going in the right direction. The more we can have these honest conversations with, with each other about how hard it is to be a human being, um, the, the more honest we can be by displaying things on television, by having podcasts, and by creating an environment where people don't lose by talking about mental health honestly, but that people win. Um, so th- th- that's what I think about. No, that's a that's a great point. You know, I never really watched a lot of TV. I never saw the teams, but I saw the A team years ago, and I don't think Mr. T would do psychotherapy. I just he probably would now. I though. Don't, I don't. He might do the <laughs> app though. You know, but he would do it. He might do the app. He might do the app. He might do no, the app. Hey, uh, so Doctor Brent, thanks for being here today, Lisa. Um, it's been a lot of fun. We've Ron put out. We've about hit our hit our time limit. You put out a lot of uh, a lot of great information, actually, and I hope a lot of our li- listeners, you know, have, have heard that, that, you know, it takes an interdisciplinary approach to look at, at TBI and then some of the either comorbidities or accompanying systems that come with TBI. And, and sometimes when you're frustrated, you, you just you have to take a step back and you have to ask questions, you know, and you have to kind of reach out behind you. And you mentioned some links uh, earlier. Yeah, you know, when you get some time, uh, just shoot a, an email to, to Kevin or, or myself here. Um, and we'll get them to Ron and we'll get them posted. And folks, these links, as we've put out in the past, you know, take a look at them and uh, and give us a buzz. You know, if you if you know someone in the community or you suspect something that's that's different or you, or you just you're, you're uninformed and you want to know more. And if we can't help you, we will definitely make sure that we point you in the right direction. Um, it takes a takes a team to get it done. And uh, that's what we're trying to do, as you can see from from our podcast and some of the information that has uh, has been put out. So that's all I have, Lisa. It's been a it's been a great it's great talking to you. It's really it's refreshing. It's refreshing to hear how far the VA's come, and I think they are doing a good job. I mean, they they had a lot of challenges years ago, but I think they've shifted gears. They've gotten out there. They're starting to work with with other folks, and it's a huge organization. So this is not a like an overnight overnight fix. But uh, out here in Montana, really, actually, this is just for me, just mostly positive, productive things, and how they've sort of sort of spread their fingers, if you will, into the different communities and some of the challenges associated with rural communities and, and getting help to to people that need it and sometimes people that, that may not be receptive to it, if that, that makes any sense. Uh, Kevin, hey, have you got anything else before we close out for the day? Uh, no, I just want to thank uh, Lisa for what she does uh, for all of our brothers and sisters. And um, I, I, I try to stay away from doctors as a whole and the VA uh as well but uh, they they are there they they perform a service and they ultimately once you get through the uh, bureaucratic process and actually get to see the actual caregiver they've done an awesome job i so appreciate you all saying that and i get to work with some of the greatest people um and we can always do better right so my goal is just keep doing better and just 
the main thing is just keeping human with each other and with all the vets we work with, because I think we're all we're all struggling to have better lives and we got to stick together to do it. Yeah, well, keep up the good work and keep raising the bar because there are, you know, people, people out there need it for sure. So with that, 100%. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I uh, really appreciate special thanks again to Dr. Lisa Brenner for, for joining us today. Uh, my co-host, uh, Kevin Sickinger, uh, the team that remains unseen and Ron up top in the box. Thank you once again for tuning in and hopefully we'll see you down the road. Until then, be safe and take care. Thank you. Thank you to Lisa Brenner for joining Char Gatlin and Kevin Sickinger today on the Abstract Veterans Podcast. For more information, please visit limbic-cenc.org. The Abstract Veterans is produced by The Abstract Athlete. For more information, please visit theabstractathlete.com. And as always, follow us on all of our social media platforms under The Abstract Veterans, The Abstract Doctors, and The Abstract Athlete. See you soon for our next episode. Thank you.